Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, with me today are three probably quite happy people. They're looking very happy at the moment. They're the winners, the Grand Prix winners of last week's MFA Media Federation Awards. The Marketing Director at Volvo, Julie Hutchinson. Uh, we have Joe Lund, Chief Strategy Officer at Mindshare, and Lee Simpson, who's the CEO of White Grey. Julie, I'll start with you. Well, one, congratulations. And then secondly, tell us a little bit about the strategic build-up to this campaign, which, wait for it, is called, by Volvo, is called Omtanke. Well Did done. I get that right? Good pronunciation. Who said I wasn't well Scandinavian? So Omtanke is the, is the Grand Prix winner for 2019 from the MFAs. Some really interesting conversations coming up, by the way, and what Volvo's been doing with its marketing, with its investment, with its strategy and long-term brand building versus short-term performance. The issue du jour across the industry at the moment. But Julie, just give us the build-up to how we got to Omtanke. Volvo had some, had some challenges. Absolutely. When I arrived at Volvo, I could see straight away that looking at where the spend and the investment was placed, it was at the bottom of the funnel. Two years ago? How long ago? Yeah, two years ago, almost two years ago. Right. I could see straight away that everything was conversion, everything was tactical, price-pointed. Uh, there was some brand activity, but it was quite sporadic. It wasn't, you know, consistently always on. And there was this push, and I think it was a business strategy, really, we need to sell the units, we need to hit a target, and we need to do it, you know, in a in a way that is very aggressive. Um, so lots of investment in the likes of car sales, car advice, cars guide, um, but really at that bottom end of the funnel. And as I said, the brand was sporadic. Then when I looked at brand metrics and, and how people were relating or talking about Volvo, I saw very quickly that whilst people were aware of Volvo at the top of the funnel, it's it's a well-known brand amongst everyone. Um, as you move down the funnel, be it opinion, consideration, purchase intention, it was a sharp drop-off from awareness down to opinion. You know, so so people knew of Volvo, but they didn't know much about it. And the problem was was that old one for Volvo around safety, was it? Yeah. Look. Volvo is known for safety and, and I would be wrong to say that isn't important to us. But for premium buyers, safety isn't one of their top reasons. Right, this is where Omtanke was targeting, right? It was the premium end of the market. Yeah, it's a luxury brand. So f- for a lot of people, they would say Volvo's just not on my radar. Volvo still dominates in safety and, and will continue to focus on safety. But there's a lot more to talk about with Volvo as well. Well, there's a great anecdote, isn't it, that Volvo invented the seatbelt? Is that uh, exactly. am I right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, 1959, and then gave it to the world. Um, so what happened then when you decided there was too much down the bottom of the funnel and short-term just sales tactics? How did you go about trying to convince your executive team that everything needed to flip because it would be quite an uncomfortable position perhaps for them or was it? Well, look, I was quite fortunate. When I when I came into my role, there was a big change internally. So the resistance that may have been there before I arrived wasn't there when I did arrive. So the business changed quite dramatically. Um, and fortunately for me, our MD, very supportive of marketing, uh, you know, had been a veteran and, and is a veteran within the Volvo world, global community. 
Um, so when he came to Australia at about the same time that I started, he was very supportive of, of what I was putting forward. Um, of course, we have dealers as well who are, right. are key stakeholders. Um, and then, of course, we have to go through our partners in regional markets and then right. Sweden to get their buying as well. But thankfully, they kind of were very hands off and said, go for it. I'm, I'm not sure whether that's because we're a long way away from Sweden yeah, right. um, or, or whether they agreed with what we we, we were saying we, you know, we were still trying to make sure that we used Volvo and, and presented Volvo as Volvo. I say to people all the time, we want to be different by being ourselves. We're Swedish and, and bringing that Swedishness out, I think, was what worked really well when presenting and talking about the strategy that we employed. The, the business case, how were they tracking prior to Omtanke? We've had a, a really good sales result and I do need to stress it is a total business strategy that has helped put Volvo where it is right now. So we've had... A huge investment in new models. Right. Yeah. So the introduction of the new XC40, which won Wheels Car of the Year this year. Um, we had the new XC60 as well at the time. So we were getting this influx of good product. We had great sales strategies. We had good pricing. So quite a few things changed all at once. But to answer your question around sales, last year we were up 43%. And year-to-date this year, we're up 17%. On unit sales? On unit sales. Right. Since 2016, it's been under pressure, softer sales across the premium sector. So very challenging times to be in our area of the uh, the category. So to be winning and growing at that rate is pretty significant. That was the voice of Lee Simpson from um, White Grey. So um, we're about to get to, to Lee and uh, Joe right now. So, Julie, once you've worked out your strategy, then tell us about how Omtanke came about with your partners. We've got your creative agency here and your media agency. What point did you bring them in? How did all that work and how did you crack the code on this? Well, it took time. It took time to understand and diagnose where Volvo was. Um, so in that time, I was spending time with the agencies, seeing what they were, were doing. And we had to launch a car straight away as well. So we were launching XC40, which was... Which is when was this? How long ago? April last year. April 2018. Yes. Okay. Certainly for us, it's a competitive marketplace. We represent, we're shy of 1% market share. So we're a pretty small player. And my mantra, which I kept talking to both agencies about, was make Volvo look bigger. How do we make Volvo look bigger than what it actually is? I don't want to look like a 1% market share. I want to look bigger. So both creatively and from a media perspective, how can you make me do that? So did you brief them jointly or how did it work in the collaborative process? Predominantly jointly. Um, I think, you know, when we first sat down, I could see from a creative approach, I wanted to take a portfolio sort of method in terms of talking about Volvo. I wanted to talk about Volvo first. So I knew I needed to do something for Volvo, but then I, I couldn't do it without the media on board. So talking about how do we how do we work together to get this bigness around Volvo first? Because I couldn't focus just on single model lines. I needed to talk about Volvo, but still push product, um, but do both, but but Volvo first. So that recognition, that distinctiveness around mm. Volvo. Okay, and we'll come to the media strategy because you, you did do some interesting things there. But um, I guess first to creatively, well, how long have you worked on Volvo? Yeah, so White Grey is an agency, been working with Volvo since 2014, so okay. pretty much five years. So you were there, you years. saw pre and post Julie then? Not me personally, right. but my team most definitely did see pre and post Julie. So significant change, yeah, significant change at the leadership level, at the marketing level. Um, and indeed, you know, as we already talked about, 
significant investment in in the product. So there wasn't a, an issue with a lot of the fundamentals of the business, but there was a gap uh, in perception. It was an image problem. And that was one that we chose to tackle as part of the uh, Omtanke approach. And so t- tell us about that. So at, w- at what point did you uh, get to this kind of positioning? Yeah, I mean, I suppose taking a step back, look at the context, and Judy sort of touched on this, it was clear there wasn't an awareness issue, over 85% awareness. Right. Um, the challenge was around brand consideration. So you look at Lexus, Audi, you know, BMW, Mercedes, some really strong players in the category, all outspending Volvo significantly. So our challenge really and the task that was set to us around how can we build an emotional brand platform? So an idea that can encompass everything about Volvo um, and tackle some of those image issues. So your conversations that went on with with Mindshare and um, and Joe's crew, and this is an interesting one for me too, is at what point did media inform creative and creative inform media and, and the marketing boss going, no, it's going to be this way? How did your teams work together and to, to, to do this? Well, I think the really nice thing was that we actually had the, the strategist from Mindshare and the planner from White Grey actually working hand in hand throughout that uh, initial development process. And I think actually kind of getting in from the very beginning when you're looking to define what's the ambition, what's the audience insight, what's the barrier that we're trying to overcome, unless you're completely aligned on all of that upfront thinking, it actually makes it impossible to really deliver work like this that has um, such strong effectiveness. Um, I will ask Julie because she is the client. Everything they're saying there, is it true, Julie? Was it was a true collaboration and and and, cum, and kumbaya? <laughs> Absolutely, I've I've never seen it. Yeah, actually, you know the way, and I had both the strategist and the planner from Mindshare and White Grey sitting at the Effies together. You know, really excited for each other, um, and and that was apparent to me quite early on that this link. It wasn't something that happened after I arrived. It was something that was already happening. Um, I think they understood the brand really, really well and could see that it wasn't getting the love maybe that it needed or, you know, we weren't we weren't being big enough or, or loud enough around Volvo. So they knew the problem well before I started and it was just allowing them to do what they do best. And did you feel like you, you had to push creatively, uh, Lee, with Volvo and Julie's team or was it, you're not going to tell me if you had to anyway, Well, I you? mean, it's always a difficult question to answer, yes, isn't it, is. it? But I think what happens from the top of the organisation at Volvo, Nick Connor's the MD and he's a big believer in marketing and creativity. Um, and I think really pushing it creatively is a necessity for all of us. You know, we can't, we can't outspend the competition significantly, as I said, um, you know, outspent by all the big players. So... We have to find different ways to get cut through. We have to have a different posture as a brand. And so doing that through creativity is a necessity. It's not a, not nice to have. So um, that was always the ambition from the outset. So, Joe, the media strategy was interesting because you changed it around a bit. Tell us what you developed there for this campaign. I think the first step was actually ensuring, to Julie's point earlier, that we actually had the right levels of investment behind that long-term brand building versus that short-term conversion activity. Uh, And so that was the first big shift and ensuring that we actually had 70% of our investment against brand versus 30% against conversion. And you'd typically have your starting point based on the IPA data is around 60%, 60 60-40 brand conversion. Uh, But for a brand, for a category like automotive and a brand like Volvo, which is more premium, more niche market share, 
you need to overinvest in brand because you need to work that much harder to actually shift those brand attributes. So that was the first big step, ensuring that we were actually investing as a business behind the brand. Uh, and then from there, then recognizing the fact that only a fraction of all customer prospects are actually in market at any one point in time. Uh, so there's a real, uh, I guess, shift in strategy from kind of one-off big retail and product pushes uh, to an always-on brand layer, uh, which is quite unique, I would say, in, in the market. Uh, and actually having an always-on brand portfolio approach, actually putting in place some long-term media deals around that. And also with the IPA data that really helps put some, helps quantify the starting point. Um, you know, and like I say, typically you do 60-40 for automotive, adapt that based on the specific challenges we had. Uh, and then off the back of that always-on brand layer, then actually introducing an always-on performance layer uh, with a kind of dynamic creative optimization. Um, because we were uh, supporting multiple models, we needed to ensure that we were then adapting the messages to the audience because obviously you have, you know, there's very different models that sit within that portfolio that are appealing to different life stages and the like. Uh, so then having that always on layer working off the back of it would then convert that emotional priming that we'd done up front uh, with the people who are actually in market actively looking to buy. So always on, was is it was it expensive? Were you spending more as a result of being always on? Much more efficient. Yeah, the, the way it was purchased uh, previously was quite unusual when I when I first came in. So out of home was purchased by site. So specifically picking each of the sites and saying we will only appear on certain out of home sites. And likewise with TV, we will only appear on certain shows. I unlocked that and said, guys, I want to reach as many people as I can. Um, so buy the shows that reach the most people as frequently as we can. So here's what I've got for 12 months lock it away now. Um, and that helped me certainly build that story with dealers because when I was speaking to dealers, I could guarantee to them, guys, we're going to have Volvo in market all the time. Don't worry about retail. Volvo messaging and getting Volvo front of mind with consumers will be on all the time, but on through only a few channels and, and making sure we looked at not trying to be everything to everyone because you know, I, I do stress we're a pretty small player. Um, so how do we go back to looking big in a couple of channels? Well, we'll get to some of the results, but um, we better talk about the work. What was the work? I mean, I think we should probably start with the problem, actually. And we've sort of touched on this a little bit around the reputation for safety. Safety doesn't sell luxury cars. We dug into the data. You look at it, I think for Volvo buyers, 48% of them state that, you know, it's the primary motivation to buy safety. When you look across the rest of the luxury category, it's only 9%. That was a big challenge for us, and that was how we sort of articulated the problem. I think what we then did was going, okay, well, we don't want to chuck safety away. It's something, again, we're proud of and we built equity in, but how can we reframe it? So we sort of dug into the brand, as you do, and there's a couple of things that really jumped out of us, that, that safety really for Volvo is about history of innovation. So by 2025, there's an ambition to have 50% of sales will be electric. So... On the other side, you sort of looked and gone, there's a, there's, a, there's a history and a story here with Volvo around caring for people. And it goes right up to the vision of the organisation. So the vision's around no, no one being seriously killed or injured in a Volvo, which is quite an amazing vision for a, a global automotive company to have. And so we then took that as a strategic basis to then distill it down to one word. And that word was on Tanke. 
Um, and that in Swedish is about care and consideration, but also has a feeling around um, rethinking, you know, looking at problems in different ways, you know, looking for innovative solutions. And that goes back to that rethinking. And quickly, the creative treatments that you did off the back of that looked like what for those that hadn't haven't this? Yeah, so it. from a film perspective, you're very much still heroing on Tanke, you know, being proud and loud about what that is as a philosophy um, and talking about how that allows us to see the world differently whether it be our key pillars of safety and sustainability um, or whether it be down to sort of at certain points product um, innovation. So the other thing I quite liked about it as well was that there's a real tone that came through that was different for the category. So we talked about, you know, on Tanke, we welcome you to try it, which is a different tone from pursuit of perfection or ultimate driving machine, almost less masculine, um, very Swedish. And so we spent a lot of time bringing that personality out around on Tanke as well as the thinking being more considerate. The media strategy first, what did you use? So we talked about, you know, out-of-home being chosen by location. What, what did you end up doing, Joe? Yeah, I mean, from a from an out-of-home perspective, we took what it, it was great actually having those constraints lifted and being able to kind of adopt a more strategic approach from a media perspective. And so from an outdoor perspective alone, we started, we dropped that historical large format approach and actually got down to street level, actually started having a conversation face-to-face with people. So smaller formats, more intimate kind of environments so that we could actually really land that more welcoming message. And then we invested heavily in audiovisual channels. So again, all of the kind of the, the research indicates that if you want to drive that emotional engagement, then audiovisual is the, the way to do it uh, because you can tell that story. And so much more investment in obviously TV, uh, that always on approach, online video, uh, cinema and the like, and really kind of embracing video. We then had, I guess, the layer uh, of then actually bringing the the proof the, or the substance behind that commitment to um, to kind of to giving and divergent thinking, which came through from the seawall innovation. Right, the seawall we haven't covered. Can we just hear that very quickly about that? Yeah, so one of the key pillars of Volvo is sustainability. Um, and we got a brief from the client around and Julie from around um, World Environment Day, which was around um, the health of our oceans. And so, okay, we, there was, I think there was chat originally we talked about, oh, should we do a beach cleanup? Well, it was a global um, request yeah. to do a beach cleanup. And we're like, hang on, if it was supposed to be about Omtanke, that's not very divergent thinking. So um, what we recognise that actually one of the key issues around the health of our oceans is urbanisation um, of, uh, of certain cities around um, you know, how that affects the shoreline. So if you look at Sydney, for example, 50% of the shoreline is now artificial. So that's that a, right? Yeah, it's a massive effect on the ecosystem, the marine ecosystem. So the solution to that was living seawall. So effectively, a living seawall. A living seawall. So mm. it was well, it was tiles that mimic the natural mangrove um, that was originally around Sydney and around our coastline. And so what that allows us to do is create a new ecosystem. So a new ecosystem of marine life now lives in Sydney Harbour thanks to these ceramic uh, seawalls that now. Uh, adorn the heart. And that was part of the biggest strategy. And so I guess, um, Julie, what happened? You know, the whole, all the brand metrics, sales metrics, and you've still got a gig, so something's worked. I, I hope I hope I keep my gig. Um, but yes, things are on the improve, certainly. And, and we've got some new uh, research that's in, in field at the moment. So we'll get that back in mid-November. But the early indications that we've got are certainly that our consideration is improving. Can you give us a sense of some numbers, a range, if you can't talk specifically? From a brand perspective, we saw kind of the the bundle of brand attributes increased by 92%. 
Um, so that was a significant kind of increase they there. They included things like what? It was, it's a bundle of different attributes. So rather than trying to kind of pin everything on one single metric to rule them all, I think that's one of the biggest challenges with this focus on actually landing long-term brand thinking is that you can't just pick one brand metric and assume that that will be representative of everything. It's about finding the right mix of brand attributes and metrics for your particular brand and the particular challenge you have. One of the key ones was perception of luxury, though. As the product improved and the, the, the pricing was strategy was on point, we then needed to make sure that we landed well in the luxury category. So that was one of the key attributes that we shifted. Also, brand consideration. I spoke about that at the beginning. I think the target was around 10%, and in, in the end, it was um, an uplift of 136%. So off, yes, off a low base, but a significant shift in that key metric when we're trying to get people to to buy into the brand. Yeah, in terms of kind of overall sales volume was up uh, 43%, um, kind of period on period, so 2018 versus 2017, uh, and market share uh, kind of increased 47%. And I think in light of the fact that in the previous year, we'd actually uh, discounted a couple of model lines, uh, which actually accounted for about a third of Volvo's volume. Um, so there was a big gap as well. Oh, there's, some, there's something to make up as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of ground to make up, particularly in a market that was that was going backwards. It's fascinating, really. And, and, and I guess, Julie, as we wrap this conversation up, I'm really interested in what your thoughts are and what's going on around marketing and how marketing and the industry really broadly got so enamored by the performance and short-term stuff and why we're seeing this swing back because it's a it's a conversation on many marketers um minds if you can get a conversation on a mind i'm not sure but we we'll we'll figure that out what do you think's going on there there is a there is it seems to be a sentiment shift amongst the marketing community and you know agencies and what they're up to yeah absolutely i think um you know when you're presenting as a marketer to the business uh People love metrics, you know, show me that it's working. So I think this obsession with, um, I guess, performance metrics and delivering a result now rather than looking at the long term was a big factor. And, and when all these digital uh, tools and, and, and the ability to reach people and measure it so in such detail was available suddenly everyone jumped on top of it. Were you wooed by those things at any point in, in, in your Absolutely. In your I think you had yeah. to be. I, I think that's what, what the the talk was. You know, it was we're going to do a digital-only campaign. We're going to launch a car that's only via digital channels. And, and in a way, TV and, and more traditional methods of reaching consumers were, were demonised. And, and it's a strong word, but, you know, everyone was putting more and more money into digital um, across the board, be it social media, be it display, um, be it microsites back in the right. day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was probably a good period of time where people thought, I can measure this. And, and that gives me a more confidence when I'm speaking to the sales director or the MD. They will, they like numbers or they have a sales background. So now I can talk to them in a in a language that they understand versus brand building and long-term metrics. What sort of shifts uh, on the media side, Joe, has it required for your teams? Because there's a lot of performance embedded in a lot of media because the briefs are coming through going, give me the sale tomorrow, please, media agency. So did your skills, your thinking need to change as well over, over what sort of period? Is it changing? What's going on inside the business? A big part of it is how do we actually draw insights from, you know, that performance activity that can actually inform our wider thinking. 
Uh, it's also recognising the fact that we no longer live in a world where you do an annual strategy and then you kind of, you're done for the year. It's about constantly understanding what's working, what's not working, how can we keep adapting that um, to ensure that, you know, we're continually learning, continually optimising, but equally ensuring that we we keep our eye on the long-term prize. What are we actually working towards? Um, and so I think the more that we can, uh, I guess, integrate our thinking, a lot of a lot of the challenges come from the silos that exist within organisations between kind of the marketing and the brand team versus the uh, the performance team, both client side and agency side. And so a big part of our role is actually helping our clients link that brand and conversion activity together and ensure that it's all actually working in harmony rather than being treated as kind of completely separate streams because that's not how consumers interact or respond to, to media or advertising. Lee, it must be music to a creative agency's ears to hear more about brand. It hasn't been on the top of the pops for, for some time and, and, and it's kind of where you guys like to do your thing, right? It is, most definitely, but I think similar comments to Joe there, I mean, I think it's about orchestrating the whole experience. And so for us and our clients across the whole mix, really, we look at, yes, the power of brand and power of emotional creativity, to build business results over time, but also marrying that with performance marketing. And I think a white grey, we, we we do well in terms of orchestrating that and getting that balance right. And so I think there's a temptation often in marketing for it to be one or the other. Yeah. But I def- definitely reckon it's an and um, rather than an or. So that's what we focus on at white grey. Fascinating conversation. Um, Julie, I've got to ask you one more question before I let you go, all of you go, is that this grand conversation around customer journeys, customer experience uh, management, um, MarTech and sort of the tech stack and, and personalization. Where does that fit into your world versus all the other things that are on your agenda? Yeah, look, I think personalization is important. And I think from a MarTech point of view, um, a lot of that's global for us. So a lot of what we get is, is provided by global. So a lot of that work and in investment in time I'm relieved of, of a lot yeah, of... So there's not a lot of scoping that you need to do on your own then? No. Mm. So that's given me the freedom to actually give the time and attention to how we put Volvo in the marketplace. And using the personalisation tools and the, and the MarTech stack, do you have a dedicated team that's under you or does it sit somewhere else in the business? Is it under product? How, how, does, it, how does it work, structure? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so we've got CRM and digital under me, right. um, but we're a small team. It's lean. Um, so I've got one person that's focused on CRM and digital and through that we liaise with our global, you know, upstream yeah. and speak to global when we have issues or problems. But it's, um, yeah, it sits within marketing. Grand Prix winners, you've got this year's gong. What is in store for the market and what are you thinking about for the next 12 months, Julie? We'll start with you and then we'll go to the agencies. What have we got coming? Uh, further growth. You're right. Yes. Also, There's your KPIs. <laughs> um, exciting for Volvo. We're talking about subscription. So uh, Care by Volvo, which has launched in some other markets, the UK and the US, we're looking to bring that to Australia next year. So it includes your insurance, fully maintained vehicle for a, a fixed monthly fee, and also a separate brand, um, Polestar. So right. we're looking at and evaluating right. whether, you know, when we introduce Polestar, but it could well be in 2020 and that's our plan. And what's the positioning for Polestar for those of us who don't know, including might be me? <laughs> so Polestar is the uh, performance electric arm of Volvo. Ah, yes, So of it's course, a completely right. separate brand. So it operates as a separate brand to Volvo. 
um, and it goes direct to customers as well. Well, that's really interesting for a marketer too. You're starting to get into direct-to-consumer models, right? And that's that's pretty sexy overseas. That that whole marketing model. Yeah, and it, and and we expect that will grow. You know, from from global again, we are expecting more and more customers to come uh, direct to consumer. Dealers play a critical role, so it's not going to change uh, dramatically overnight. But Polestar will be set up as a direct to consumer. Joe, the next twelve months for what's going on for Volvo and Media and what you're doing more broadly. What um what are we what are we going to expect to see? Yeah, I, I think look, coming back to to Julie's kind of ambition or brief. I mean, our role is to you know be accelerators of growth, uh, and that's what not only Volvo but all of our clients are really looking for, particularly in you know market conditions that are actually pretty tough. Yeah, you know, right now in Australia. So so that's kind of our big focus, and I think. Um, to enable that, uh, we need to crack the measurement challenge uh, that exists around brand and conversion. And I think that's where a big focus of the industry is going to be uh, over the next 12 months and ensuring that we've got the, the measurement frameworks and the tools and techniques in place um, to be able to uh, ensure that what we're doing from a long-term growth perspective is actually working. Uh, and we've got the markers in the ground to ensure that we're heading in the right direction because I think we need to give our clients surety that um, you know they are you know working towards that end goal and um, and we're learning from that. Where do you see you are on that curve, Julie, and getting to the measurement? Because that's almost universal truth you're talking about there, um, Joe. But you comfortable with what you're seeing come through? At the moment, you know, there's always lots of information that's coming through all the time. But yeah, looking at those those drivers and look, the biggest thing for me is consideration. If I'm looking at one thing and, and and I want Volvo on the shopping list, I don't want to be fourth, fifth or sixth on your on your consideration list. I want to move Volvo up to second, third, first position so that when people are evaluating their next car purchase, we're right towards the top. And media can help do that, but that is the creative role, so Lee. So w- what are you thinking for the next 12? I think there's a couple of things. One of them is consistency. Actually, it's quite tempting to you know, try and do something completely different. Um, so I think consistency, there's value in that. And I think we'll just continue to build the Omtanki um, platform in that consistent manner. I think the second thing is, is how can we tackle the realities of less spend again with versus the competition? So what behavior can we have from the brand that represents Omtanki but can give us a different type of presence and a different type of cut through. So I talk a lot about body language from a brand. How can we go out and behave in a certain way that's different? And I think Omtanke gives us that opportunity to do that. So I'd say consistency and then also the behavior from the brand that can help drive that growth. Well, you've all got very big boots to fill because um, you have a big gong sitting on the table and you've got to try and repeat that next year. But thanks for coming. It's a fascinating conversation. Thank you all for joining. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode.